Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at pastorwood.org. And now, here's your host, Jim Wood. Folks, we're continuing our series uh, on the life of prayer. Reading from the book, Embracing His Will. It's the third of three books in uh, this series. And I hope that these messages are an encouragement to you. We've enjoyed hearing from many of our listeners. And it's been our pleasure to provide these books as gifts to those who've requested them. But um, we're going to continue now in this study. And I hope that you'll let us hear from you. You can contact us by going to the website, wvr.org. Or you can call us toll-free at 866-41-ABIDE. I want to read to you this morning from Mark chapter 10. Verses 35 through 40. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink, and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. As I study what Scripture teaches about prayer, I'm repeatedly amazed at the goodness and kindness of God. I marvel at His patience with His people. I take great comfort in the fact that when I read about the people God dealt with in the Scriptures, I find them to be remarkably like me, prone to forget what they've already learned, to see things backwards, to get mixed up, to miss the mark, to fail to appreciate God's kindness, and often feeling that because life isn't fair, God isn't fair. Over and over again, God patiently, tenderly, mercifully deals with sinners. When his people pray, God answers. I'm amazed that he would do this. I'm amazed at his mercy, his grace, and patience toward me. I'm amazed that God so often says, yes. As we were studying Genesis during our morning Bible study at the ranch, we saw a lack of patience in the life of Abraham. He wanted God to fulfill the promise that he would be a father. His wife was unable to conceive, so she proposed an alternate solution. She gave her maidservant to Abraham as a surrogate in order for Abraham to father a child. She wanted Hagar to be the birth mother, but she would be the true mother of the child. She wanted her solution to be the answer to prayer for which they'd waited so long. Abraham followed Sarah's plan. There's no record of his asking God for his opinion of Sarah's plan. It seemed like a good idea to Abraham at the time, and the plan seemed to work. Hagar conceived and bore a son, Ishmael. Soon there was trouble, of course. There's always trouble when we substitute our plan for God's. As we read further into the story, God appears to Abraham in Genesis 17 and says, Now I'm going to fulfill the promise I made to you. Your wife Sarah is going to conceive and bear a child. Abraham fell down laughing and said, Can this be real? I'm a hundred. Sarah's ninety. 
can know that I've sometimes prayed this way. God, I can't imagine how you're going to do what you've spoken. This seems impossible. It can't be done. I don't want to get my hopes up. After Abraham hears God's plan, he says in Genesis 17, 18, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Abraham felt that he and Sarah had already come up with a satisfactory solution. He wanted God to go along with his plan. All Abraham needed from God was for God to bless his plan, his solution. He just needed God to cooperate and accept the result of his efforts. Abraham had known the pain of childlessness for decades. He saw his current situation with all its difficulty as an improvement over the past. Now he wanted God to accept and bless his remedy. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. I read this and see the infinite grace and patience of God in his response. God says, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. I wouldn't say this if I were God. I'd say, you foolish man, I'm ready to work a miracle on your behalf. I'm not even punishing you for having violated my plan of one man and one woman for life. When I come and tell you what I'm going to do for you, instead of saying, thank you, God, you ask me to bless your plan. But God doesn't say what I would say. He says, yes, I'll bless Ishmael, but I'm still going to give you the child of promise. I will bless your plan, but I'm going to do so much more than what you had planned. I'm going to do something much better than what you had in mind. I'm going to go beyond anything you dared hope for because I have chosen to do this. I love you and I want to bless you. Time and again, when wandering, doubting, self-important, fickle people confronted God, he chose to bless them anyway. And even when our prayers are so short-sighted, God in his mercy over and over says, yes, yes, all right, yes. I'm amazed. Solomon prays and God asks, what would you like for me to give you? Solomon responds, I need wisdom. God says, I'll give you wisdom, but I'm also going to bless you with long life, victory over your enemies, and wealth. God loves us and is eager to bless us. It is the same serpent who tempted Adam and Eve who still tries to get us to believe today that God is out to rob us of joy. He makes us believe that if we don't make it happen, it won't happen. It is Satan himself who is a liar and who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. God longs to bless his children. We need to trust him and follow his plan, even when it involves waiting. Hi, this is Jim Wood. I'm very grateful for the privilege of teaching God's Word now for over 40 years. I've seen firsthand the power of the gospel changing lives for eternity. My wife and I have been blessed with seven children, four of them adopted. Each one is unique, but all of them are ours. In our travels to other countries, we've seen again and again that the human heart is the same everywhere. And everywhere we go, Jesus is the only one who can save. I hope that these broadcasts are an encouragement to you, and I want to ask you to take a few moments to encourage us. I want to ask you to do three things, in fact. 
First, please visit our website, pastorwood.org, and learn more about our work. Second, please pray for us that we will remain faithful and that God will continue to use us to spread his word around the world. And finally, if the Lord prompts you to do so, please support us financially. We are depending on our listeners to stand with us, and we're praying for God to bless you. You're listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Pastor Wood is a popular speaker for family and marriage retreats, conferences, and pro-life fundraisers. If you are planning an event, a retreat, or conference, and would like to invite Pastor Wood to speak or teach, please visit pastorwood.org and fill out our speaker request form. At this site, you will also find over a dozen books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife, Susan. Again, please visit pastorwood.org today. That's pastorwood.org. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is John eleven twenty one, Lord, Martha said to Jesus If you had been here, my brother would not have died As I was reading a wonderful book by the gifted author Philip Yancey I was surprised to read Quote, Jesus healed in spontaneous response to human need He saw a suffering person before him, felt compassion, and healed the person. Not once did he turn down a direct request for help, close quote. I thought, this is good. I like this. Not once did Jesus turn down a direct request for help. I haven't found any exceptions to this in the Gospels. But if we go beyond to the accounts of Jesus' ministry after the resurrection and ascension, We find someone who made a very direct request to the Lord who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Apostle Paul says, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul doesn't say an angel of mercy. He says a messenger of Satan. He doesn't specify the exact nature of the problem except to say that it was a thorn in his flesh and that it tormented him. Torment is a very strong word. Torment involves ongoing agony and misery. Imagine Paul's prayer. Do you suppose he was reserved? Do you suppose he went to the Lord and said, Lord, I would like for you to consider the possibility that I might be able to serve you more fruitfully and more freely if I were not distracted by this unpleasantness. That's not what he writes. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Paul pleaded with God. All of us have been in situations where the urgency of the moment is all we can see. Physical and emotional pain can be so intense that we can't think of anything else. This is what Paul describes here. Three times, not just once, but repeatedly, he pleaded with the Lord, please take this from me. But God said, no. Through the letter to the church in Philadelphia, in Revelation 3-7, we learn an important truth. Quote, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. When God opens a door, no one can shut it. But when he shuts a door... No one can open it. In the sovereignty of God, there are times when God's answer to our prayer is no. 
two close friends of mine went to be with the Lord in a short period of time. Both of them were family men, leaving grieving widows and children behind. They were both in their 40s and involved in vital ministries. They were being greatly used by God. Within two months, God called them both home. There were numerous prayers for their healing, but God said, no. God said, no. This happens, and when it happens, it's really hard. Sometimes the pain stays with us for a long time. Sometimes we plead with the Lord to do something about our situation, and we don't understand God's response. I'm continually amazed at how different God's decisions are from mine. There are other times when we believe God has said no, but he may not be saying no to the request. The request may be in line with God's will, but the timing is off, and God is asking us to wait. Isaac was the child of promise God had given to Abraham after years and years of waiting. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was finally born. Abraham had given up hope. When Isaac is 40 years old, he's finally given a wife. Isaac and his beautiful wife Rebecca love each other, but they're unsuccessful in conceiving children. I can imagine Isaac thinking, oh no, I can't believe it. I don't want to wait until I'm 100 years old to have children. I know this is what happened to my dad, but I can't believe God is going to do this to me too. Imagine what Isaac's prayer must have been like. God, you promised to make my family into a great nation. Please fulfill your promise. So many prophecies have already been fulfilled. You brought Rebecca to be my wife. I don't plan to follow my parents' example in seeking another solution to having children. God, I want to trust you. I'm a miracle myself. I'm believing that you will give us children. Many years later, Isaac must have been discouraged. Ten years go by, no baby. Fifteen years go by, no baby. Eighteen years, no baby. Isaac likely wrestled with doubt. He married at 40, and God gave him children at 60. God made him wait 20 years. God doesn't always make us wait, but sometimes he does. God wants to reveal his glory. He makes us wait when he wants to do something special, when he wants to make it clear that life isn't just flesh, blood, and bone. It isn't just ordinary stuff. What we see now isn't all there is. Sometimes a delay is needed, but a delay is not always a denial. Zechariah and Elizabeth are another prime example of delay. As an old man, Zechariah is serving God in the temple. While he's going about his routine, an angel appears and Zechariah is gripped with fear. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. I can imagine Zechariah's thoughts as he struggled to process this revelation. What? I prayed that prayer a long time ago. What do you mean God has heard my prayer? I haven't prayed for a child in years. I'm not still praying for God to give us a baby. We wanted a baby when we were young. Well, God wasn't just waiting for Zechariah and Elizabeth to be ready. God was waiting for history to be ready. God had a plan that was bigger than Zechariah and Elizabeth. At the right moment in history, God gave Zechariah and Elizabeth a child, John the Baptist, and he was no ordinary man. Remember, when it seems that God has said no, it's not always a denial. Sometimes it's simply a delay. 
God's plan is the only plan that is good, acceptable, and perfect. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Often God says no to a prayer request in order to grant something greater than we had asked of him. Amy Carmichael prayed as a child that God would replace her brown eyes with blue eyes. She was Irish. The other little Irish girls didn't have brown eyes. She thought perhaps the boys didn't like girls with brown eyes, and Amy wanted blue eyes. So she prayed in childlike faith to her loving Lord Jesus. Amy had studied God's word, and he said, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. She didn't understand the need for context as she studied scripture, so she went to the Lord in earnest prayer for a change in eye color. And with the faith of a child, she went to bed believing God for blue eyes, got up in the morning, ran over to the mirror, and found to her dismay that her eyes were still brown. Amy struggled with God's denial of her simple prayer request. She remembered her disappointment years later when God was using her to rescue children from a life of prostitution in the temples of India. She was able to get in and out of the temples because with a veil covering much of her face, she could pass as Indian. All they saw were her brown eyes. God had a ministry plan for Amy that she could not envision as a little child. God knew before the foundation of the world that Amy Carmichael was to be his and that Amy Carmichael was going to be used to bring many Indian children into his family. The Apostle Paul knew what he wanted, yet God had something better for the Apostle Paul. He wanted his power to be made perfect in Paul's weakness. Paul says, that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When God says no to our requests, we are being given an opportunity to trust him. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because the one who comes to God must believe that God is and that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We must really believe that God will reward us if we diligently seek him. This is the essence of faith. Even when circumstances are difficult, God is good. Even when pain is intense, God is good. Pain can be a gift. When we had just opened the first boys' home at Wears Valley Ranch, a staff member asked to take the boys, including two of my sons, to a cave with a large underground lake. The tourist season was over, and this would be a great money-saving opportunity to go on the deluxe tour, which included a more extensive caving expedition, followed by an overnight of camping inside one of the caverns. While exploring the cave, the group from the ranch could hear bulldozers working in the distance, creating a new entrance to the cave in order to make the cave more accessible, especially to wheelchairs. And our boys were excited about the prospects of their older brother Paul being able to make the trip with them someday in his wheelchair. For several hours, the group explored the recesses of this amazing geological formation. They crawled through narrow passages and experienced the remarkable stillness of total darkness all around them when they turned out their flashlights. As everyone prepared to bed down for the night, my youngest son, nine-year-old Andrew, got very sick. It was midnight, and everyone was exhausted from a long, hard day. 
But Andrew had a headache and began to vomit. The staff and other boys prayed for Andrew. This was the right thing for Christians to do in a situation like this. They prayed for Andrew's healing, especially that he would be able to sleep. He continued to vomit. They continued to pray. He continued to vomit. They continued to pray intensely, reminding the Lord that they were exhausted and could barely stay awake. Andrew finally told them, I can't stay in here. I have to get outside. His older brother, 11-year-old Clayton, said, If he's going, I'm going with him. Well, the staff decided they should all stay together, so everyone was told to gather their belongings. As they rose from the cave floor, everyone discovered that they were feeling woozy. They assumed it was exhaustion, and some of the group didn't want to get up and go. They asked if they could stay behind and sleep. Finally, everybody, some quite angrily, got up and began making their way out of the cave. They struggled up the steps and out into the open air, not comprehending why they felt so weak. No one was thinking very clearly. Soon they all had horrible headaches, and all began vomiting. The group drove back to the ranch, discouraged by the late-night interruption in their plans. The next day, still feeling very sick, they went to the hospital for blood tests, and it became clear that they had all nearly died of carbon monoxide poisoning. Apparently, some of the fumes from the bulldozers had been trapped in the particular cavern where they were told to sleep. Looking back, they realized how earnestly they had wanted God to answer their prayer. Lord, just please make Andrew stop vomiting so we can sleep. But God had said no. Had God answered yes, they would have all been found dead the next day. Andrew had inhaled just enough fresh air to set off a nausea reaction to the carbon monoxide poisoning. And God had used Andrew's suffering to save their lives. God doesn't always say yes to our prayers. When we can't understand why, we have to trust God that he knows what we don't. He sees what we can't see. When God says no, his love for us has not changed. His compassion has not dimmed. He understands what we're going through. Jesus was not pretending when he wept in the Garden of Gethsemane. He pleaded with the Father and cried out, Father, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus understands our suffering. No matter what sort of pain or temptation we face, he has already been there. God's will is for our good, no matter what we're going through, no matter how confusing and frightening our circumstances. Even when we can tell that this is surely a messenger of Satan, our God reigns supreme. His arm is not short. One day, every tear will be wiped away. All things will be made new. Until then, are you willing to trust his love and wisdom, knowing that his grace is sufficient even when he says no to your requests? Embrace his will for your life. Your plans will mislead you. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Amen. 
Well, folks, I hope that these messages have been an encouragement to you. I want you to keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. Because prayer is as vital to the Christian life as breathing. We're to pray without ceasing. We're not just supposed to have a little time of prayer in the morning or a little time of prayer before bed. We are to live in the presence of God, conversing with God, not only speaking to him, but listening to him as we meditate on his word to us through Holy Scripture. You need to spend time reading the word of God. You need to meditate on what you read. Think about it through the day and allow God to speak to you through his word. But pour out your heart to God. Don't make speeches. Just pour out your heart. Tell him honestly what you're dealing with, what you're feeling, what you're thinking. It's not that he doesn't have that information. It's that he wants you to learn to trust him, to pour out your heart to him for your sake. He loves you more than you can imagine. And folks, if these books are something you believe could be a helpful tool in your life, we'd be happy to provide them for you. You can contact us and request any of the books as a gift, and we'd be glad to send it. The first in the series was Calling Him Daddy. The second, Hearing His Voice. And the one we've just finished, Embracing His Will. I hope that the emphasis this month on prayer has made a difference in your prayer life. And I hope that you'll continue to grow in your walk with God. Let us hear from you. And if there are particular things you would like for us to remember in prayer, please let us know. We're glad to intercede on your behalf. Yeah, I know I said that I have trouble with intercession, but that's not a reason for me not to do it. That's a reason I need to focus in that area. God bless you. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Did you know that along with being an excellent Bible teacher, Pastor Wood has authored over a dozen books. We'd like to encourage you to visit PastorWood.org for resources and books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife, Susan. You can also listen to or download teachings by Pastor Wood 24-7. Please visit PastorWood.org today. That's PastorWood.org.